Uh, Ward actually named my dog. What? His name's Jabba the Pup. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. The Kendo UI family of UI components delivers everything you need to quickly and easily build rich, responsive Angular 1 and 2 applications. Kendo UI for Angular 2 is built from the ground up on TypeScript as 100% native components with zero jQuery dependencies. Kendo UI for jQuery works seamlessly with Angular 1.x, so you can build apps with declarative data binding, routing, form validation, and more. Kendo UI can help you speed up the development time for your next application by up to 50%. Go check them out at devchat.tv slash kendo UI. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 123 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Lucas Rubelke. Yo. John Papa. Hello. Ward Bell. Ho, ho, ho. We have a new panelist, and that's Alyssa Nichol. Hey, hey. Do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, I am a web developer and Angular lover from Orlando, Florida. So, yeah. Very cool. I'm really? To- You're in Orlando? I am, and it's oh, amazing awesome. here. You all should move. <laughs> hey, it snowed here. I'm hey, trying- we aren't allowed to have two panelists from the same geographical region of the country, are we? Wait, who else is here? Does that mean you're going to quit or am I, Joe? <laughs> uh, Joe uh, John is from Orlando. Yep, John's, John's from Orlando. Ah. He, he loves wearing hats with ears so much he moved to the official city of it. I was going to say, I think John's more from Disney, right? Like, not really Orlando. But uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you actually live here and do the commute. Is that a different country? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. <laughs> like like Vatican Disney. City, you know? <laughs> you live, live close enough Star to the Wars park? Area. I live in the yeah. Star Wars area of oh, there you go. Studios, actually. Oh my oh, gosh, cool. I would move there in an instant. I would be <laughs> Uh-oh, we, we mentioned uh, it. We uh, broke the rule. Broke Wait, the what rule? rule? What was the rule? No Star oh, Wars. No talk. Star Wars. Sorry. Word. Yeah. Word we break Star it every Wars. show. We break they it get every along. Show. They get along like Trump and Hillary do. <laughs> <laughs> also, let's not talk about politics. All right. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. A uh, quick announcement that JS Remote Conf call for proposals and tickets are available. So go check it out. We have a special guest this week, and that is Victor Savkin. Hello. Uh, Victor, I'm pretty sure we've had you on the show before, but do you want to give us a brief introduction anyway? Let us know what you're up to. Sure. Uh, I'm Victor, and I work on Angular Core. And I, at some point, I build DI, change detection, a few other modules of Angular 2. And currently, I'm mostly working on the router. Awesome. Now, uh, when we booked you, we were going to talk about the router, but we screwed up when we talked about the router last week. So... Um, <laughs> You you also seem to be quite the expert on migrating Angular 1 apps to Angular 2, and that does involve the router, so yep. we figured we'd just dig right into that. Um, now, some of us are lucky and we get to write just Angular 2 apps, but there it seems like there are quite a few apps out there that are have grown rather large in Angular 1. So, yeah, how, how do you migrate that stuff? How do you move from one to the other? Because if it's a big system it's not like you can just snap your fingers and say oh angular 2 woo here we go yep so i mean we would like to have that you know so it's just a snap and it you know angular 2 unfortunately this is not the case you know and you need to put some effort to move your angular 1 apps to angular 2 so we knew on the team that's going to be a problem uh when building angular 2 and that's why on the team we put together a few libraries to make this migration easier and make this migration gradual, meaning that you can do it uh, module by module and component by component. So what we what we did is we built two libraries. The first one is ng-upgrade, which allows you to sort of run your Angular applications in the hybrid mode. We use both Angular 1 and Angular 2. And the second library is a special mode for the router. So if you use a new Angular 2 router, you can sort of easier migrate your Angular 1 apps to Angular 2. So I can talk about each of this uh, a little bit. Uh, so ng-upgrade is a special library we built that allows you to bootstrap your Angular 1, existing Angular 1 application that you have inside an Angular 2 shell, like an Angular 2 application. 
So basically what happens is you have one application that uses both, both the frameworks and it's bootstrapped in such a way that both the frameworks can sort of see each other. What I mean by, by that is that if you have an Angular 1 provider, an Angular 1 service, it can see Angular 2 services or Angular 2 providers. And if you have an Angular 2 provider, it can see Angular 1 providers. That's one. And the second thing that the library does is it allows you to sort of mix and match Angular 1 and Angular 2 component. So if you have an Angular 2 component, uh, you can downgrade it, uh, in quotes, to Angular 1. And then that component can be used inside your Angular 1 code in such a way as if it was written in Angular 1. And similarly, if you have an Angular 1 component, you can upgrade it to Angular 2. And then this component can be used inside your Angular 2 code in such a way if it was written in Angular 2. So basically, with ng-upgrade, what you can do is you can bootstrap your app, your providers can see each other, your Angular 1, Angular 2 providers, and you can freely interleave your Angular 1 and Angular 2 components. So you can mix and match those. So that's one part of the story, the ng-upgrade library. It's very useful. We use it internally at Google a lot. The second part of the story is migrating the router. So why is the router special? Why can't we just use ng-upgrade and it works? It is special because the router is one of very few things uh, that you use that deal with global mutable state. So in general, the moment you start dealing with global mutable state, like it's kind of difficult, and this global mutable state is your location. If the browser has only one location bar and it's mutable, so if you have an Angular 1 router in your Angular 1 app, like touching that location bar, changing it, you cannot have another router touching it or changing it without being aware of the Angular 1 router. Because if you do that, you have two objects independently modifying that global mutable state, and suddenly, like, uh, uh, suddenly uh, you have a lot of concurrency-related issues. You know, and it's very hard to deal with, very hard to understand. So what we did regarding the router, we built a special way to configure the router and tell it, don't worry about these routes. Those handled by Angular 1, you know, by an existing app, just don't worry about those. Only worry about these routes, you know, these are your routes. So it allows you to partition sort of a set of routes that you have into two buckets. The first bucket is the Angular 1 bucket, you know, that your legacy, not legacy, your existing application is, is handling. And the second one is your new behavior that you migrate to Angular 2. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the two routers, it's basically two routers working side by side? Correctly. So, so basically, it allows you to for the two routers to coexist on the same page, touch the location, modify the location, and listen to it without sort of stepping on each other's toes. Can you make them step on each other's toes? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you you can. If you don't configure the Angular 2 router, if you don't tell the router what will be handled by Angular 1, it will try to, like, you know, do crazy stuff with your location. And then, like, you know, you'll be confused and happy, depressed, and, you know, life is bad. So is this a matter of just basically making the Angular 2 router work in such a state that you could say, hey, don't handle these types yeah, of exactly. routes? exactly. Usually it's basically like a, like a few lines of configuration where you can say, hey, you know, do not handle all the routes that start with like slash settings or whatever, you know, and suddenly all the routes that start with slash settings won't be handled by the Angular 2 router and will only be handled by the Angular 1 router. Now, what about vice versa? Will the Angular 1 router still try to handle all the routes, even the ones that Angular 2 wants to handle? The, there is actually a way to, like, we didn't change the Angular 1 router, even though we could, because we have the, I mean, we have the power, yes? We <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what we didn't do is because uh, regarding the Angular 1 router, there is an easy workaround that allows you to achieve that without actually changing the library itself. Really? Because, because as I recall, uh, Victor, um, like we know what router we're going to use in Angular 2, but it, but yep. there are a variety of uh, routers available for Angular 1 apps. Yep. And you can't go around modifying all of them. So Exactly. So what we try to do is Wait because... Right, Why not? Let's just go around and modify them all. I mean, in general, it, it's not a, like we actually considered it, you know, that there are two main ways to like migrate your application. Yes? And the two ways are iterative or incremental. And one of them basically says... Hey, let's just take our Angular 1 router and all the configuration we wrote for Angular 1, for the Angular 1 router, and let's swap the implementation. Let's just say we will do this problem in a different way. We're going to swap the implementation and we're going to replace the Angular 1 implementation of the router with the, I mean, Angular 2 router, with a new router. So the, the API will look the same, Angular 1-ish, or like not ish, you know, like Angular 1, like, like it looks right now. 
uh, but the implementation is different. So that's an iterative approach. When you solve the implementation, you slowly refine and transition your route from Angular 1 to Angular 2. And the second approach is incremental approach when you say, hey, we're not going to swap anything. If it's Angular 1, it remains Angular 1, just, just pure Angular 1. We are going to take uh, chunks of your application, maybe module by module, you know, chunk by chunk, and mig migrate those chunks to Angular 2. And so we thought about it really hard. Uh, and originally, we actually attempted to do the first uh, approach. Uh, but turns out it's sort of easier to do the... Uh, using the incremental approach for the following reason. Yes, once you start pretending that your old route, that you have the new router that sort of has the uh, Angular One shell or Angular One DSL, uh, once you start doing it, you complicate the mental model of the user of the developer. Because now when I write my Angular One code, you know, I don't really know if I'm actually using Angular One or like it's Angular Two. If it's Angular Two under the hood, is it slightly different? Because it will be slightly different. So it complicates the mental model a lot. So what we decide to do instead is just say, hey, you know, we want to keep the boundaries of Angular 1 and Angular 2 as explicit as possible. If you have a chunk of code written in Angular 1, it's just Angular 1. Once you transition to Angular 2, it's just Angular 2. And then we allow you to express this boundary. Okay. So I don't think that necessarily answered a question that I have about what if I'm using the um, UI router? Okay, so if you're using the UI router or any other router that you want to use, uh, I wouldn't say any other, who knows what you're doing, but let's say the UI router, yes? The UI router actually supports its own way of migrating apps from Angular 1 to Angular 2. So you can just use, I mean, if you want to stick with the UI router, you're in luck, you know, you're pretty, like, you're in a good shape. If you don't so want wait, to... Wait, you mean if I want to keep the UI router... Even when I'm in Angular 2, when I have yeah. my app fully converted to Angular 2, if I yeah, want to stay in Angular you, you can do that. I mean, they actually support Angular 2. I mean, they're, you know, doing great work. So if you actually, if it's your preference, and if it works for you, that's great. You know, just stick with that. But if you want to transition from uh, the old router to the new router, or from the UI router to the new router, to the new Angular 2 router, the official one or whatever, uh, you can still do it. And the reason is the Angular 2 router doesn't make a lot of assumptions about the Angular 1 router. The, the helper function we have that allows you to set it up in such a way that it works is maybe like 10 lines of code. So you can write a similar one for the UI router. And my assumption would be, I actually didn't do it, but my assumption would be that it, it shouldn't be very difficult to do. Hmm. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And we've always said that the official Angular 2 router was, um, we were going to do our best to make it a, a great router, but we never yep. thought that it would be the only router in the world. We figured people would, that's why it's a separate module and people would make their own choices. Exactly. It's a separate module and even more so. This module makes zero assumptions or zero, it uses zero private APIs, meaning that if you want to have your own implementation of the router, you can do it. Yes, we are not special in any way. Yes, we just use the public API of Angular Core. Okay. So, so Victor, as a uh, you know, with this in mind, what does this tell us about if I'm looking at a big uh, Angular One code base? Where you know, what should my game plan be? What should my strategy be? Uh, assuming it's got routes, and assuming that those routes are factored into work, you know, separate workflows, so that um, so that there are some seams in the application. How would you look at that Angular One app and start drawing on the board your your plan of attack? All right, cool. So I actually wrote a blog post about it. So after the podcast, if you're interested, you can go and check it out. So, but the way I we, we try to do it uh, internally at Google, the process we try to follow has five steps. And some of these steps are very simple and automatic, and some of them require like more work. So let me outline the steps. So the first step, what we want to do is we want to use ng-upgrade and the upgrade module that that library provides to wrap your Angular 1 application into an Angular 2 shell. Yeah, so we want to bootstrap your app with, with ng-upgrade, essentially. So Step before you do that, though, is there any baseline that you have to get to? Or do you think that any Angular 1 app in the world could be ready for this step? Uh, it's hard to say any because there are so many different ways to develop Angular 1 applications and so many different kind of related ways to, you know, to, to massage it, to, to, to match your infrastructure. Hmm. I would imagine most of the applications uh, uh, should be ready. You know, at least internally, the applications we have at Google, we didn't have any problems with wrapping those into the shell. Okay, cool. So we do that first, and I'll actually talk more about each of the steps. I just want to mention all the steps so we know how the process goes. Hey, Step Victor. 
it used to be true that you couldn't use ng upgrade with uh, 1.2 or previous. Is that still true? Uh, I believe to use ng upgrade fully, at least ng upgrade static, you need to use 1.5. That's okay. my as far as so I that, remember. I think that would be a good baseline then to say that you oh, have oh, to yeah. at least be to 1.5. Th that is true. So you need to use a fairly modern whatever version of Angular one, like 1.5 or 1.6. So it used to be that uh, ng upgrade worked with 1.3. I personally tested that myself. Of course, you know, depends on what features you're using, I assume. But has that has that changed? Or are you talking about like to fully know that you're going to be good? Uh, I actually don't don't know exactly. My understanding is that we tested with 1.5. So it's like it may work uh, without 1.5, but at Google we have applications using 1.5, so we guarantee it works with 1.5. Okay, gotcha. But it pro it may work with other versions of English. Hey, all right. Uh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, mm -hmm. but I did have a one more question about the router. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. just really quickly, the new NG2 router. Yep. Current NG2 router versus uh -huh. UI router. Are there much like it used to definitely be the Angular One router was missing a lot of features that UI router was providing. Yep. Right, features that a lot of people wanted. And that's one reason the UI router became just so dang popular. Yep. Is that still true, or is there a lot more feature parity now? I think there is a lot more feature parity. I think that the new, like obviously the router we had previously wasn't uh, capable enough to uh, to implement all the scenarios, like ng route router, the Angular 1 router. So the Angular 2 router, the, the new official router, is a lot more capable and uh, uh, it's, but mostly, we mostly borrowed the design from NGRX router. So NGRX router is another router that was created by external contributors and then we sort of merged the two efforts. We had our own router, the first Angular 2 router, had an NGRX router, and at some point we decided that like, there are too many routers, okay? We need to have fewer routers. <laughs> so it's like too confusing. So we merged a bunch of the routers into one, which is uh, the official, I mean, quotes, you know, the one that we support, the Angular 2 router. And I think it's more or less on par with the UI router. So it becomes more of a preference of what kind of API you prefer. Yes, if you are into more like reactive style programming, you may want to use a new official router, you know, but if you're already using the UI router and it works for you, keep using it. You know, it's great. You know, I like it. It's, it's totally fine. I call yours the victory router just because of Victor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sorry about that. Nice. So what about NG upgrade? NG upgrade changed recently. Yes. Okay. Let me exp explain why NG upgrade changed. And, you know, uh, so in general, the way we build software, uh, here, you know, on the core team is that we try to, you know, release some sort of version, which is kind of ready, put it out there during the beta phase or the experimentation phase to get the feedback. Yes, to get the feedback from the community to know that we can arrive at something that is usable. And we did it multiple times. Like we did it with forms, for example. The first version of forms we put out didn't have a G model. And, you know, anyway, a lot of drama. So now it has a G model, you know, so... Uh, we like quickly fixed You're it. You're damn straight it does, Victor. <laughs> so we, <laughs> so we, <laughs> not like cats and dogs about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think overall, like this is a good strategy. You put something out there, you iterate quickly based on the feedback. In a few months, you or like maybe it takes longer, you arrive at something that is very usable. You know, it's actually pleasant to use and it's capable to, uh, for expressing a lot of scenarios. We did the same with actually with the router, yes, because we had like a lot of routers until we arrive at this one. So NG upgrade, it's, it's it's basically the same story. So we put out NG upgrade, the original version, uh, like a long time ago, just to get the feedback and show to the community that's possible to run the same application in this hybrid mode and how components can interact and whatnot. So we got the feedback and uh, like a lot of feedback and we had a lot of issues with the original version. For example, like the error handling was kind of, you know, not very good. And the main issue was that it didn't work with the AOT compiler. And so it happens if you write an Angular 2 application, most likely you want to use the AOT compiler. So we got all this feedback, but because we got this feedback slightly too late, you know, the final was already out, we couldn't just like change upgrade around, you know. So Angular slash upgrade stays, you know, it's there you can use it. That's why we introduced a new version of upgrade, which is Angular slash upgrade slash static. Which is like when it comes to mental models, very similar. It provides the same set of capabilities. It's just the API is slightly different, slightly friendlier, uh, and uh, it allows you to run your hybrid app 
in the AOT mode, which makes it smaller and faster and whatnot. So that last word is static, angular static. upgrade, static. Where did you yeah. come up with a name like that, static? <laughs> uh, I don't name it as hard, you know. It's I, I think static. <laughs> the, the, I, what we try to emphasize, I guess, is that static means that you can run it and you can analyze it statically without actually running your application. Whereas the, the first version of upgrade used a lot of reflection to like hook things up. And if you want to use the AOT compiler, that's not allowed. So there's two versions. Now there's the static one. Yep. That's the one people really should use if they're starting yep. today, right? Yes. If they're starting today, mig oh, look, migrating the application from Angular 1 to Angular 2, they should use the static, the new version. But if they already use the original version, they can use it. It's just, I mean, hopefully at some point, you know, you should switch to the static one. And in our experience, it's actually not so hard to switch, you know, because mental model-wise, they're very, very similar. So, okay, so we got this new uh, Angular Static, and yep. now you were talking about the five steps, and, and then we sent you off into space. So bring right, us back cool. to the five steps. Okay, the steps. The first step, we want to bootstrap, bootstrap our app uh, inside an Angular 2 shell. The second step, we want to go through every Angular 1 module we have and add an ng module, so the Angular 2 module that we export. So every module at that point will become uh, an, both Angular 1 and Angular 2. And step three is the, the longest one, the hardest one, is actually migrating your components and services from Angular 1 to Angular 2. So hey, one hold on, hold on. Uh -huh. we got to go back a step. Uh -huh. Why should I turn all my Angular 1 <laughs> modules into Angular 2 modules? The board uh, probably knew this was coming. Uh, I'm an outspoken okay. critic of modules in Angular right. 1. We're going to put a stake in Joe's heart because who <laughs> right, knows okay. The you, guy you, went mad and told everybody that you should only ever have one module, throw everything into one module, <laughs> and now you're toast. <laughs> All right, That's so funny. why you have to do it is you don't have to do it. It's a process we recommend for the following reason, yes? We want to, the first two steps, step one and step two, like bootstrapping and adding the modules, are mechanical steps. Those are the same for all applications, and those I mean, take 20 minutes or whatever, yes, because there is no creative work involved. You know, it, th those should always work. You know, you should be able to do those in like 20 minutes. And why you want to do those, like wrapping stuff into a shell and adding Angular 2 modules uh, next to your Angular 1 modules to sort of set up the skeleton. So once you have the skeleton in place, uh, it doesn't matter what you want to migrate, a service or a component, you always have a place where you can register that component or service. You always have a place where that component or service, the migrate one, the Angular 2 one, lives. So I just find it personally easier to think about my application knowing that no matter what I pick, no matter which area I decide to migrate to Angular 2, I always have a place where that thing lives. Because yes, I, I, I know what, what I'm saying, that you need to do it one module at a time. In reality though, you know, maybe you want to do it in a slightly more chaotic way, you know? Uh, I just like when this, uh, the structure is in place. But you don't have to do it this way. If you want to do it like super strictly one module at a time and add an energy module only to the module you are migrating currently, you can do it. It's fine. What, what if you really like chaos and you're like Joe and you have just one big, <laughs> one, one big mod, NG1 module? Can you create one big Angular 2 module you can. and, yeah, you, and you then just start putting it together? Yeah, All you right. can do that. All right. So Joe's still in the game. <laughs> Woohoo! So I guess what I'm saying is that you don't have to follow the steps exactly for your whole application, yes? You can follow on the smaller scale and say, I'm going to migrate this section, you know? And then you set up the skeleton for that section and you migrate that section first, you know? Uh, it's just For me, it's easier to think about it, you know, when I know that no matter what I decide to migrate, there is always a place, there is enough infrastructure in place so I can do it without thinking about it. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control 
of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at hire.com slash adventures in Angular. Okay, let's go to step three. So step three let's is see one. If we can get to step four. <laughs> step three is the one that actually is interesting. All right, hold, hold on, hold on. I'm going to back you up for a sec, just uh-huh. so we, because we've talked about a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we got several steps. Let's just uh-huh. let's just review real quick. What are step one and two for everybody who might be trying to All follow right, along? Cool. So step one: wrap your Angular One app in an Angular Two shell. Super easy. It takes 20 minutes. Automatic. Application independent. You know, it should be the same regardless of the app you choose. More or less. You know. Maybe you have a very convoluted app, but overall, it should be the That's same. That's pretty easy to do, yeah. Yeah. Step two is basically, if you start to migrate a module, or I see like a, like a bunch of modules, you add an ng module next to an Angular 1 module that you are migrating. You're migrating an Angular 1 module, you're going to add an ng module next to it, probably with a similar kind of name. And then you're going to import that ng module into the root component of your Angular 2 shell, or the root, the root ng module of your Angular 2 shell. So basically, yeah. wrap it, wrap yep. the application, which is easy, and then yep. anywhere I had an Angular 1 module, create an Angular 2 NG Correct. module, and then yep. import it into my Angular 2's root. Correct. Yep. Exactly. Pretty quick. Okay. Yep. Step three is where, you know, it gets, it gets slightly harder, you know. It's actually migrating your services and components from Angular 1 to Angular 2. And uh, uh, Angular, migrating services uh, is usually straightforward. Because those do not depend on a lot of Angular APIs. You know, if you want to migrate an Angular 1 service to Angular 2, because your injectors can see each other, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you can take one service, put a bunch of decorators, you know, and it should just work. You know, it becomes an Angular 2 service, an Angular 2 provider. Migrating components uh, from Angular 1 to Angular 2, or directives from Angular 1 to Angular 2, is way, uh, like, it's, it's kind of trickier, you know? And the reason why it's tricky is because the APIs of Angular 1 and Angular 2 are just different. Uh, so what we find is the result is usually better. Once you migrate your component, like you have less code, it's less hacky, it's more maintainable, uh, but it's not mechanical work. So you actually have to understand the two frameworks and you actually have to like sit down and sort of rewrite your component or like, you know, refactor your component into an Angular 2 component. Uh, so, uh, Tobias and I, Tobias is my coworker, uh, we gave a talk at Angular Connect, I think, last year, uh, some time ago, about how to migrate non-trivial large Angular 1 components to Angular 2, and the result of that migration was better. So, you have, like, way smaller code and uh, faster and whatnot, you know, just better in all sorts of ways. So, if you're curious, you know, about how to do that, you can look up that talk and watch it. All right, so... So this is the most important step. This is where all the work is. Yes, you. what you usually do and what we recommend doing is for you to go to an engine module and find a leaf component, you know, a component that doesn't depend on other components, and migrate that component first. Because once you start now, from leaves, you can sort of work your way up to the root. So just to recap, because we, yep. we, leaf component used to actually be a physical thing. At one point, we were discussing the router, that we're going to be components and leaf components and and all that. Can you just yep. recap what our leaf component is for everybody? Oh, so here, what I when I say leaf component, I just mean a component that doesn't depend on other components. Like, what do you have an input? An input would be a leaf component. You know, it's not a composite of other components. It's like simple, low-level components. So if you start migrating those, it's easy because they are usually self-contained. Once you migrate a bunch of those, you can start migrating composite components, components that depend on leaf components. And eventually, if you keep doing it, uh, the whole module will be migrated from Angular 1 to Angular 2. Uh, but you don't have to actually start with leaf components. It's just easier if you think about it this way. You can mix and match components in any way. Uh, we recommend it because it's easier, sort of, you know, mental model-wise. You know that starting from this point downstream, everything is Angular 2. You know, but if you go up, it, it's still Angular 1. Does that make sense? It does. And Victor, what happens if like the existing application you have is using the, uh, what do you call it, the non-HTML5 mode with the hashtag routing, and you want the new Angular to use hashtag routing? Can you mix and match, or how does that work? 
so you're saying if I, you want to use hashtag routing for both or only for the Angular 1 part? Well, imagine if I wanted to use the same for both, it'd be fine. But what if I have an existing Angular 1 app that's using hashtag routing, yep. but in the Angular 2 stuff, I want to start getting over to HTML5 routes without the hashtag. Can I do that? Uh, we actually didn't try it, but in theory, you should be able to do that. Uh, because that uh, Angular 2 uh, supports a special way to, it can be, the Angular 2 router can be configured in such a way that you can split the, route, the URL into two parts, the Angular 1 part that's handled by Angular 1 and the Angular 2 part, which is handled by Angular 2. So in theory, you could say, hey, I'm going to take everything after the hashtag and just ignore it when it comes to Angular 2. The Angular 2 will just use the basic part, you know, and then Angular 1 will just use the hashtag part. I'm just thinking there's a lot of code bases out there where people are using Angular 1 with hashtags still because yep. maybe they had to support IE8 at the time yep. or IE7, uh, you know, heaven forbid. And yep. maybe they want to start moving over now. Now they don't yep. have that, but they can't change their existing code base. So that's yep. good to know. That's really cool. Yep. All right. Should I keep going with the steps? Yes. All it's right, a three-step cool. program so far. How many steps are there? 92? There are five steps. There are five oh, okay. steps. Only five. Okay. <laughs> so basically... <laughs> After step three, what we have is all the components and all the services of a particular module are moved to Angular 2, so from Angular 1 to Angular 2. So st step four is dividing all the routes, yes, or taking those routes of that module and moving those to, uh, to the Angular 2 router. Uh, basically, it's what I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Yes. For small projects, you can take all the routes and migrate those at, at once. Yes. If you have a large app with like hundreds of routes, it's very difficult to do it at once. So with a new router, you can do it uh, sort of module by module, like chunk by chunk. The way you can imagine it is if you just start migrating your app, you have two sets, and one set is full of routes, and the second set is empty. The second set is the Angular 2 set, and the first set is the Angular 1 set. So while performing the migration, you're going to take routes from the first set and move those to Angular 2. Basically move it from Angular 1, from the Angular 1 router, to the Angular 2 route. So at some hold, point, sorry? Hold on, question. Mm -hmm. So are you saying you should be doing this while you're doing your migration, while you're migrating the services and components, or wait until you're done migrating services components and then start migrating your routes? So wait until you're done migrating all the services and components of a particular module. You know, so if you migrate the chunk of those, you can migrate the routes. Because the way you can think about it is, uh, the router sits on top of your components. So you have your component tree and they do stuff. And then the router allows you to instantiate your components. So it's easier to think about it if you know that all the components you're going to instantiate from the Angular 2 side are already Angular 2 components. You know, the Angular 2 router will only instantiate Angular 2 components. So once you're done migrating a bunch of components from Angular 1 to Angular 2, you can migrate all the routes that instantiate those components from the Angular 1 router to the Angular 2 router. So does it only have to be the top-level component that has to be an Angular 2 component in order to migrate the route? So say that I've got you know, a parent component and a child component. I migrate yep. the parent component to Angular 2. Yep. Can I then switch the route? Yeah, so like, I can. Okay. You, you totally can. So I and can, it, but you don't, you're, not, you're saying you don't necessarily recommend that. You're saying you recommend yep. migrate both the parent and the child to Angular 2 and then switch yep. the route. Yeah, so exactly. So, and let me cl clarify that what we provide... Yes, the, the, the Angular Core team is sort of a bunch of mechanisms. And you can use those in any way you want. You know, there are a lot of developers with different backgrounds, different preferences, and a lot of different organizations. And maybe your organization, the process is different for some, you know, organizational reasons. That's totally fine. Uh, you don't even have to migrate the parent component to switch your routes. You know, you can do basically whatever you want. Yes, the mechanisms are flexible. But on top of those mechanisms, we provide uh, a set of conventions or the process that we think works really well, you know? So what I'm talking about right now is the process. You can do almost whatever you want if you desire so, but if you follow our process, uh, the process I'm trying to describe is that, you will find some documentation, some example apps, you know, that show you different steps of this process. So it's just easier to follow the process unless you actually have the reason not to. Okay. Okay. Are we, are we on step four still? Yeah, step four. Basically, at the end of step four, uh, what you have is an Angular 1 module that was fully migrated to Angular 2. All the components and services are already Angular 2 uh, services and components. All the routes are Angular 2 routes. So step four basically fully encapsulates 
all the work regarding a particular module. So you do all the steps, you know, one to four, like what, three and four for every module in your application. And at some point you arrive at the state where every single module of your application has been moved from Angular 1 to Angular 2. And at that point you can execute step five, which is a mechanical step. And step five means basically you go, you remove Angular 1 from your setup, you remove and upgrade, you simplify your bootstrap because you don't have to bootstrap Angular 1 anymore. And you have a pure Angular 2 application, uh, like fully migrated from Angular 1. Just to summarize, and a few important things uh, to say, is that this migration can take a long time. It can take, I don't know, uh, weeks or months, depending on the size of your application. Because it can take months, we had an important uh, goal when designing these tools and the process, and the goal was that we should treat this migration as a large-scale refactoring and not a rewrite. When you treat it as a large-scale refactoring and the tools allow you to do that, you can always implement new features or fix bugs while migrating. Yes. At no point your application in the state where you cannot deploy. Yes. You should be able to keep working on your application, implement new features and whatnot while migrating. Yeah, I've always felt that, that you should assess your app at the beginning and sort of say, uh, think about how long this is going to take. Yep. Uh, because if it's going to be like less than three months, I don't know. I picked that number out of the air. Yeah. Um, I if it's going to be less than three months, don't don't play this game. Just re-implement is my instinct, and I'm kind of curious about what your your answer to that. But if it's going to be more than three, then you uh, then you realize you can't just stop the show, and you're going to have to do a progressive migration. Now I don't know whether the number is three months. Or, no, you should only um, do a Some complete... people may not have budget to go down that road either, too, like at large companies. Uh, yep. you know, yeah, they may yeah. have limited time frames, so it might be three days to them. It yeah, really so depends. maybe their number is three days. If it's three days yeah. or less, I would just completely re-implement it. But if it's more than that, i got to go through this uh, five-step process. Yeah. I, do you I, have I, a feel for that? So I agree that, uh, A, it's, uh, it depends on your organization. Yes? If you have, you know, if you are going to rewrite your app anyways, you know, then sure, you can, you know, just ignore the upgrade process and do it from scratch. Uh, but I think the process, even though it sounds like there are five steps, you know, like, oh, it's a lot of steps, but three out of those five steps are mechanical steps that all together take an hour, you know. So only step four and three, three and four, are like long and, you know, creative steps. But that work you would do even if you start from scratch, because you would have to write those components anyways. So it's not like the work, you know, disappears if you start from scratch. So I would say unless you have a very small application, like it takes a week to rewrite, Try to follow the upgrade process. I think the new version of NG upgrade, upgrade static, fixed a lot of issues people had with the original version. Like you can actually see errors and whatnot, you know. So it, it, it's usable. Uh, it's not super hard to use, and uh, I would recommend just trying it. You know, I, I don't think it's very difficult, and there is enough at this point. There is enough documentation online, so you can sort of figure it out. You know, that may have shifted that balance point because the yeah. first one, I think, was sufficiently hard and there were enough places to get lost that you needed a big project to justify it. But yeah. it sounds to me like you've smoothed it enough so that the decision point, you, 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 you could decide to do this, um, uh, w you know, with a, with a much smaller app than, than I had originally thought. So that's good news. Yep. And there, there is one other reason to consider rewriting versus a migration, that is to just kind of do some code cleanup. But that's again, only works if your app is sort of on the sl smaller side, you have a smaller set of features. Because one of the yep. problems that certainly happens with applications is you end up with features that you don't know exist, right? Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. You got code that you're not 100% sure what it does. So mm -hmm. you, uh, if you don't migrate it slowly and you just try to rewrite it, you might have trouble replicating the features that actually yep. exist. So I, I've got a couple of uh, predictions about upgrades in general that I think mm -hmm. are pretty... Um, I, I would love to, to hear any validation from people's experiences over the next few years. One of which is that there will be many, many applications that will be running Angular 1 and Angular 2 forever. Mm-hmm. I believe that that's going to be very true. Uh, yep, and I actually think it's fine. I like I don't see it. The only downside, or the one, the one real downside for me is that you have to ship both Angular One, and Angular Two, like byte size wise. You know, you actually need to distribute, like ship the framework. Uh, but apart from that, I think it's totally fine. You know, if you have a large chunk of your app that doesn't change very much, performs okay, 
in a city to angle one, you know, just fine. Like, leave it there. It's fine. Right. The other prediction that I have is that there are going to be plenty of people out there who are going to one night or maybe over a weekend go add Angular 2 to their app without telling anyone. And then all, all of a sudden they start writing Angular 2 and tell the other developers, hey, we can write Angular 2. Don't tell the management. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I mean, know that's going to happen. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope at some point our build setup, you know, the Webpack stuff will be smooth enough that you can do it, you know, right. super quickly. <laughs> well, and it's, I mean, that's, it is certainly true that, that those first, that first step and the first yep. two steps, like yep. you said, they're so quick. Yep. You can. You could stay late one night for an hour or two and all of a sudden have Angular 2 in your app. Yep. So there's a couple, I talk a lot about migration, and there's a couple of questions that I get very, very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask you those questions. So the first yeah. one is, Performance, and I know what I tell people, but I want to hear what you say. What is the what is the performance implications of taking an Angular one app and putting my Angular two into okay. it? Okay, so it, first of all, it doesn't affect the performance of your Angular one app. Yes, it performs the same way that part of your application or that application still runs Angular one, so it should be fine. Uh, if you migrate, let's say one component from Angular one to Angular two, that component is run by Angular two. So it becomes like faster if you migrate a large table that is performance critical from Angular 1 to Angular 2 and just use that table in your Angular 1 app, that table will be faster. Change detection there will be faster. A lot of things there will be faster. One, uh, so in general, performance should get better yes, because Angular 2 in general is, is way faster. Once you start moving components from Angular 1 to Angular 2, the performance should, should increase. The only caveat is that you need to ship... Uh, like both the frameworks, you know, Angular 1 and Angular 2. So the payload may actually increase. So that, that's what I wanted to stop you. When we talk performance, can you qualify what you mean by performance? Sure. So what I mean by performance is, oh, there are two aspects. The first one is the payload, let's say, you know, the size. And the second one is uh, how fast we can instantiate uh, views, you know, components, and how fast we can run change detection. So while doing the migration, most likely your payload will be bigger because you need to you know, ship at least a chunk of Angular 2. We are trying to shake stuff away, but, you know, we still need to ship some code. So uh, the payload during the migration can get, I mean, a little bit bigger. The second part of the performance, which is how fast we can instantiate the views and how fast we can run change detection, uh, is better in Angular 2. So Angular 2 is way more efficient at doing those things. So those things, like the view instantiation and change detection, will become way faster once you start migrating from Angular 1 to Angular 2. Now, it's true, right, that if, with the migration path while yep. running ng-upgrade, yep. that every time a change detection cycle is occur, occurs in Angular 1, it triggers the change detection cycle in Angular 2 and vice versa, right? It all, it all goes through. My understanding, let me a little bit be a little more careful. So one zone st- trigger change detection to run for, like, for the whole thing. So the parent... Mm-hmm. So it, it basically, the two change detections should always run together. So at no okay. point you should run only one, but not the other one. Okay, so if you're running two change detection cycles at the same time, can that be a performance bottleneck or a slow no, performance there? No, the, the number of runs will be the same. Uh, it's just you run two change detection systems, uh, but sort of the amount of work is still the same. As if you imagine a giant table that is no longer Angular 1, but Angular 2, the Angular 1 change detection system doesn't have to worry about the table, so it's handled by Angular 2. So the amount of work doesn't increase by you migrating, and the number of runs shouldn't increase. Okay. Uh, but you're right, you run two change detection systems, but I don't think this should be a performance problem. So let me give you a couple scenarios and see if you have yep. any thoughts on these. One is, I've migrated 95% of my application to Angular 2. Okay. Yep. All I have is maybe a uh, one component, one directive in Angular 1 and a couple of services. Yep. Okay, but I'm still running that Angular 1 change detection cycle. What's the performance difference between that and when I finally kick over and get rid of Angular 1 completely? Is there is it noticeable? I, I don't, I mean, let's assume that the 5% you didn't migrate do not, uh, like it's 5% of the change detection work, you know, like 5% mm-hmm. of all the bindings in the system, you know, because you can have one small component that's used everywhere. And then it matters, you know. But let's say it's 5% of the work. Then if you get rid of Angular 1, you won't save that much because it was only 5% of the work. What you would save is uh, the payload. The payload will, will get way smaller because you don't have to ship Angular 1 to the client. Come. And then what about, could I have some pieces of my Angular 1 app? Say that I've mm-hmm. migrated 95%, but I've got some pieces of my Angular 1 app that are, the change detection is really heavy and slow. 
could that slow down even a piece of if I'm looking at an Angular two like component that has nothing to do with that? Would that slow anything down? No, it, it like it, it won't. You know, the two systems uh, run together, but those are two separate systems. Meaning that, like, if you imagine like a, the whole work being one pie, you know, you're saying that I have this giant piece of pie that is an Angular one part of pie, you know, and it's very slow. Uh, but it has nothing to do with the Angular two part of pie. It just happens to be a part of the same pie. So, like, uh, the Angular one change detection doesn't affect the performance of the Angular two change detection system, and uh, like the Angular two change detection system doesn't affect the performance of the Angular one change detection system. Those are separate. Yeah, but so, there is an implication here, which is that if you have uh, a place in your Angular 1 app yep. that is particularly slow, that would be the place I would start in my migration. What, what, that would be a good reason to start there. You might have better reasons to pick something else. But that yep. would be uh, you know, a, a, a mark in favor of doing that one early. Yeah, that is true. So if you have, like, usually the example is a gigantic table. You know, have a gigantic table with, like, thousands of rows, and it doesn't perform an Angular 1. You can migrate that table to Angular 2. And A, it will be faster because the change detection system is just faster in general, or like the view instantiation is faster. So the, the table will become faster. And also you have more control over how change detection runs in Angular 2. So even if it's not fast enough, even then, you have instruments or mechanisms to make it fast enough. Okay, so final scenario related to performance. I've got mm -hmm. uh, a component that I migrate to Angular 2. It has a child component that's still Angular 1. Yep. And that has some slow bindings in it or something. Yep. How does that affect performance? Uh, so the bindings in the Angular 2 part will be fast, and then when you start dirty checking your Angular 1 component, you know, the child, that will be slow. So once again, it's uh, how you compose components uh, doesn't matter. If they can be siblings or parent and child, it shouldn't matter. Yes, the, the, the amount of time you have to spend running change detection, like both the systems together combined, will be the same, or like roughly the same. Okay. So one other question I have related to Joe's scenario is, if mm -hmm. I have a parent that's an Angular 2 component, yep. and it has a child that's an Angular 1 component, can I still do yep. ahead of time compiling and all of that fancy jazz to make it all uh, work awesome? Uh, you can, and uh, the way it works is as follows. So. You can. Uh, it, it works. Uh, otherwise, it would be very unfortunate. You know. So the, uh, you can do the fancy jazz. Everything will work. It, the only thing is that you have to ship. Like we won't be able to tree shake any part of your Angular One code, and we cannot tree shake uh, your Angular One framework. So you'd have to ship the whole Angular One framework as you do right now, and you'd have to uh, ship to the client the Angular One component with all its code. It may have some dead code. We cannot tree shake that yes, because we don't know what your Angular 1 part does. Uh, but yes, you can AOT, and the Angular 2 part of your application will be three-shaken away, you know, whatever. You know, whatever is not used will be three-shaken away. So you, you can do it. The answer is yes. Sweet! All right, so I got another question that people frequently ask me, I want to ask. Uh -huh. On deployment. Uh -huh. Okay, I just added Angular 2 to my application. I've already got my deployment path for Angular 1 that's already set up and you know, how all of a sudden now, how do I handle the fact that I've got Angular 2 involved in this to take the, my app to production? I mean, it, this is a very nuanced question. And the reason is there are a lot of uh, like deployment options you have. So the way, uh, I mean, I do it when I, you know, put together example apps and whatnot, is I just bundle everything up into one bundle, like Angular 1 and Angular 2 and all the code of your application into one bundle. But you don't have to do it like this way. You can have Angular 1 separately as a separate file that you ship with Angular 1 part of your app separate. And then the Angular 2 part, you know, the framework itself and all your app can be bundled into one bundle, like over uh, multiple bundles. So, I mean, it really depends on uh, uh, how your like build process is structured or whatnot. Uh, right. Now, if you're doing minification, that's entirely different between Angular 1 and Angular 2, right? Because Angular 1 has to have a special minifier. And Angular 2 has to have this magical uh, AOT compiler. So you have to run Angular 2. If you want it to be efficient, you have to run the AOT compiler against your code base. So, and then it's up to you. Do you want to bundle Angular 1 together with, you know, with the result of that run? Or you want to keep your Angular 1 stuff separate? So could you theoretically do two bundles, like one for your Angular 1 and one for your Angular 2? Yeah, I mean, you should be able to. Okay. I wonder what, I guess it really just depends on what makes sense for your 
your yep. specific scenario, right? Yep, exactly. So basically, it, it, it depends on your setup. If you have uh, something like System.js, then you can, like, you can do whatever. You know, System is very flexible. You have one, two, like, like gazillion bundles, you know, that somehow are hooked up that everyone sees everything, you know. If you use Webpack, you, again, have a lot of options about how you create bundles so the Angular 2 part can see Angular 1 and whatnot. Can you, uh, next question, can you uh, integrate or utilize the Angular 2 CLI when using ng-upgrade? Uh, I actually do not know. So I, uh, CLI is great and I, uh, I use it from time to time, but I haven't tried it with ng-upgrade. I can report, uh, having just seen this question appear uh, in the channel recently, that that is not a primary scenario for the CLI at this time. And so it's not clear that you could use the CLI to do a hybrid app. And you should be prepared to not be able to use the CLI for a hybrid app. Yeah, it seems like a lot of work to try to try to get those two to work together. Yeah, and it's not the prime scenario for CLI, right? Right. Yeah, CLI like is really about uh, how do I develop uh, efficiently Greenfield. Right. So, Victor... Um, there's some changes coming in your life. Um, can you tell us about them? <clears throat> I don't mean all of them. I don't want to know your dark secrets. We just want to know your open secrets. <laughs> all right. Uh, sure. I actually have some exciting news I'd like to share. Uh, and that Jeff Cross, who works with me on Angular Core, and I, I just left Google uh, to start our own company, Narwhal Technologies. And what we want to do is we want to help organizations that are in need of sort of high-quality, in-depth Angular guidance and support. So if you are thinking about migrating your Angular 1 app to Angular 2 or just adopting Angular 2, we can help you by providing general guidance, doing architecture reviews, resolving difficult issues, and setting up your upgrade story. So if you have uh, so high-value projects you don't want to see delayed, you, don't, you want to see executed efficiently, uh, I think we can be valuable to you and uh, your organization. So since Jeff and I have been on the core team, on the Angular core team for many years, we understand the inner workings of the frameworks of both Angular 1 and Angular 2 really well. And we have a lot of experience in helping uh, our Google customers, internal customers, to be successful with Angular in general and Angular 2 in particular. And that's why I believe we can actually provide a lot of value to your organization. So if you're interested, uh, you can check out our website and there will be a link in the show notes, I think. And let us know what you think. And the name of your organization, again, is Narwhale, like the, the whale with the unicorn thing? Yeah, Narwhale Technologies. Yes, like a whale, with, like a unicorn of the sea. <laughs> that's, the <laughs> best name. that's the best name for a company I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, but doesn't it need some, like, modifier before Narwhale? Uh, what, like the, the release names for the, in, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we actually thought about, <laughs> okay, this is uh, off the record, uh, you know, we thought about weird names for <laughs> the companies, like right. really weird ones, you know. This is not the weird one. So uh, we had lots of ideas, you know, like Chilean miners. Like you feel you are trapped, you know, we can help you or whatever, you know. But we decided to go again like just. <laughs> oh, God. What was that one where the Argentine team crashed in the mountains and they ate each other? Yeah. That oh, one. Nice. Oh. <laughs> something like that. So we decided not to do that, you know, to, to go with something that is. I mean, I'm surprised, you I'm surprised you didn't name it something like Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, about That's Silence too of the tame. Lambs. So I actually, party. I, I watched the movie when I was a teen, and I was I mean, like, what, I was 10 or whatnot. Like, I really want to cook. Uh, because, <laughs> like, I mean, uh, he cooks, you know, the main character, uh, <laughs> Hopkins, he cooks. You know, like, that guy is awesome. He's slightly weird. He's good at cooking. Slightly weird. Slightly weird. Weird? That is why I'm cooking. So since then, I've been cooking my whole life. Oh, so my goodness. So watching The Silence of the Lambs. We have to. That is the... I am but I'm vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I'm just never eating a meal that you cook. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> He's vegetarian, but that doesn't necessarily mean what he serves you. All right. So... Uh, that's really awesome, and congratulations on that, Victor. Yeah, congrats, Victor. Yep. Woo. Next time I see you, Victor, I'm going to say, hello, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> now, Victor, do you want to announce the even more exciting news that you have? What? Yep, something that him and Jeff are doing <laughs> in April, early April in Salt Lake City. Of course I do. 
Jeff Cross and I are going to do wonderful, interesting training at AngieConf. And the topic of our training is deploying Angular 2 apps to production. Awesome. All righty. Well, let's let's go ahead and get to some picks. Uh, John, do you want to start us off with picks? I'd love to. I just can't wait. There's a movie <laughs> that Ward and I are going to go see in about a week and a half. Um, <laughs> dying. Pencil sharpening this. three. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I have reserved back-to-back -back so seatings all day long for four episodes in a row. So Ward can sit through Rogue One. Star Wars, because I know he can't wait to see how this one turns out. I think it has something to do with the Death Star, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <sighs> and so Joe. Does, does that mean that Ward's coming to Orlando? I mean, should I be in on this, this action? <laughs> we, we could, you could join us. That'd be great. Yeah, Ward's coming down to Orlando, uh, I think, next week. Oh, my gosh, it's creeping up on me yep. by the time gonna, this thing airs. He's going to watch his pencil sharpening video. And then sharpen some pencils and then I'm stab John with them in the theater. Exactly. We're going to bring our pencils and we're going to sharpen. And actually, the reason Ward's coming down here is we're going to be filming some play-by-plays for uh, Pluralsight, where we're going to do a couple different videos where one of them is we're going to go through creating Angular 2 apps together and uh, see what happens. And the other one's going to be more of a uh, tutorial kind of thing of we code along with you, uh, the audience. So it's a new format that we're trying out, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this turns out with... Uh, me and Ward, and if you've watched any videos of me and Ward, you know that it's never normal, <laughs> not by any means. <laughs> so <laughs> half the time we have no idea where we're going. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and that's the way we like to do it. And it's never very planned, which uh, is a lot of fun too. And Joe and I have a second pick together, don't we, Joe? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Do you want to announce it? Oh, sure, I'll announce it. Uh, John and I and Dan Walling have. Done. We just went to Tampa, Florida, and did an Angular 2 training class, and it went so well that the three of us decided, "Hey, what could be better than to see each other's faces even more?" And <laughs> so we are going to be going around the country doing Angular 2 training courses, uh, classes. We try to do one every couple of months. Our next one's going to be in Raleigh, probably towards the end of February. So if you wish to come or are looking for that, stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be making some announcements and putting up places where you can pick up tickets and check out our training. Come and learn more Angular 2. Do you guys have like a show name or something? Like the, the traveling Angular 2 band? Close. Top Coders. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness, well, this is great. Coders. Yep. We're, we're, <laughs> it's a little little bit of an homage to Top Gear. Exactly. So we're, we're well, I thought it was it to Top Gun, and I thought you all were going to sing the Righteous Brothers song. <laughs> oh, no, 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 lost no. that love and feeling. We're going to have John <laughs> with his shirt off playing volleyball on the beach. <laughs> does that make Does that make Dan Iceman? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that I'll, I'll be Goose. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's oh right. my! Well, I'm going to take advantage of that segue, Joe. Do you have any other picks? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick this new Star Wars movie. I, I got to do it. Oh, please. So sorry. You guys are killing me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, went and bought tickets the minute they went on sale and had to search all over the Valley to find a theater that had some seating at a time that I wanted to go. Cause it's just so popular. And I heard that they actually crashed Fandango. Because everybody was trying to buy tickets all at the same time. Oh and my goodness, crashed. that's wonderful. <laughs> I thought that was a, uh, one of those Russian hacker plots. <laughs> they keep so, making um, money, they'll keep making movies. Sounds good to me. And I'm also going to pick uh, NGConf. I just had a, another planning meeting today about it. There's some really awesome stuff we've got in the works, especially on Saturday. So if you happen to be coming, be sure and keep your Saturday open. Because we're going to be doing some really cool stuff on Saturday. Okie doke. There we go. Those are my picks. All right, Lucas, what are your picks? Uh, two quick picks this week. One is a Chrome plugin called uh, Toby, which allows when you create a new tab, um, it kind of just sets up kind of this way to manage existing tabs. So a lot of times I'll have like 10 tabs open because I need to keep track of them. And so I can actually group them together in kind of this Toby tab of, for instance, um, like here's a shopping list. Check these things out later. Here's things I need to follow up. And then here's things I just want to keep on speed dial. So really super helpful Chrome plugin. That's Toby. And uh, my other pick is after years of kind of seeing this thing evolve, 
Uh, Matthias Namilla actually launched uh, the new Year of Moo, um, so that's yearofmoo.com, with little fanfare, but he actually just uh, won an award for that, and it looks really super cool. Uh, tons of great um, characters, which he's kind of famous for, and uh, I have it on good authority that he's going to start pumping out new content uh, for the blog, so that is my second pick. Ward, what are your picks? Well, um, you know, it, it's Black Friday, it's kind of the season, Thanksgiving's over, and it's time to start thinking about uh, what we're going to give to our friends uh, for Christmas. Um, so uh, given that I just learned that Victor learned about cooking, dis- discovered he <laughs> wanted to be a, a cook as a result of watching Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> uh, for him, uh, there's this lovely movie called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. And uh, if you read the plot of that, you'll know why that fits. Um, but I've also been doing some other shopping, and, and I thought I would share with you some of the things that I think might be um, up there, ready to go, like um, a bacon ornament. I think nothing looks better on the tree than a bacon ornament. Um, there is a lovely turkey mask. It kind of looks like John from behind. Uh, <laughs> well, wait a minute. I mean, his head. Wait, John's behind. <laughs> oh that doesn't look like John's behind at all. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure I quite meant wow. it. <laughs> that came out. Um, for, uh, for Chuck, there's the Santa Kini. Oh, hold Santa on, hold on. How do you know what my behind looks like? <laughs> play by play. I have a <laughs> Uh, now, you know, we realize that there is, uh, we have to honor some of uh, the religious traditions. So there's this singing Jesus wallet that, that <laughs> sings songs as you, when you open it. I think that's going to be good for somebody. Uh, for those of us who are on the other side of that fence, there's the Moses action figure. And um, oh, no, nothing would be complete without a um, Star Wars 18-ounce Yoda mug. So... Uh, there you have it. That's my shopping list for the end of 2016. All right. Alyssa, what are your picks? Um, so I got invited to speak at an amazing conference. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It's going to be on a boat. Um, it's called NG Cruise. And so I'm really, really pumped about it. It's, oh yeah, we got some people cheering. Oh, May 29th in 2017. And my talk is on... Uh, animations, so CSS animations in an Angular world, and I was actually just down uh, like a week and a half ago talking to Matthias about some super secret stuff he's got coming up and uh, what he wants me to showcase in that. So I'm really, really pumped for that, Angie Cruz. And then I guess my other pick would be I got invited recently to do some stuff on Egghead, and so they've got some awesome. This like whole upgrade talk has reminded me of some cool Angular things I've seen on there. So if you need a quick tutorial or something, jump on Egghead.io. But yeah, those are my picks. Awesome. We need like a ship sound to play whenever somebody <laughs> mentions NG Cruise. Oh, I need to get a soundboard together. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in with a few picks uh, really quickly. First of all, um, I have uh, a Chrome plugin that I'm going to pick as well. Um, and what it is. <laughs> Is if you, if I go to Facebook.com, unlike you, um, I see my menu on the left, just like you do. I see your pages and all that crap on the right side, just like you do. And then for my feed, I see whether you think you can or you think you can't. You're right, Henry Ford. News feed eradicator, and that's my whole feed. It actually um, gets rid of your feed on Facebook, which is super nice and keeps me from getting distracted by it, and I love it. Uh, so that's the Newsfeed Eradicator plugin for Chrome, and uh, I really, really like it. Um, I also picked up a couple of Amazon Echo Dots because uh, we have an Amazon Echo and we liked it. So I'm putting those in a few rooms in my house and really enjoying that. been playing with IFTTT and a few other systems uh, just to see what I can make it do. So, yeah, those are my picks. Victor, what are your picks? All right, so I have a pick. Uh this year, I discovered philosophy. I didn't discover philosophy. I started reading philosophy. And I read a lot of books. And one of the books I liked most, uh, probably the easiest one to read, was a book by Peter Sinner called Ethics in the Real World. It's a collection of essays on all sorts of things. So if you'd like to think about like what's wrong, what's right, how, it's, you know, how to live your life, 
you should check out the book. Well, uh, remind us really quickly how to find you uh, now that you're not at Google. Okay, so you can find me if you go to uh, nrwl.io, which is our site, the site of our company. You can also find me on Twitter if you go to twitter.com slash Victor Sapkin. Or you can find me if you go to vsapkin.com. Very cool. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show and we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>